Get in the car. Right at us. Lord! The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. This is the Party of Four Christmas episode. Actually, there's really no Ooh. Christmas main theme to it other than it's the middle of December and there'll be a little nostalgia. Can we? All right, let's talk about this. Okay. I have been fighting hard. I don't know if it's a midlife crisis, but I am really trying to get in the Christmas spirit. And I've been trying since Thanksgiving. I've been trying to rekindle traditions. We went downtown. That was a bummer. Used to be cool. Now it's not. Um, even went with my brother to cut down a Christmas tree. Didn't do it for me. It's It's been a struggle. I, I don't know what it is. I'm thinking the missing piece of it is we don't have dome weather yet. I have not seen a flake of snow stick to the ground yet. And it's really messing with my Christmas spirit this year. I think we had that one little brush of snow. You might have been in Dallas at that point. It's like a little dusting, like start yeah. of November. So, Who cares about that? Okay, I need a post Thanksgiving good snow shovel gets out, Christmas in the air, like the stuff that's in the songs. I have nothing that's in the songs. I was going to ask you: Have you been listening to Christmas music? I'm listening to Christmas music. I've I've watched the Santa Claus one and two. I've watched um, Elf. Elf. Elf's a standard. I you know I've watched. Five different varieties of A Christmas Carol, the Dickens version. Of course, the uh, Alistair Sim is is the tops, 1953 Alistair Sim version. Mm-hmm. That's the best one. Okay. Um, Miracle on 34th Street, I've watched both versions of that already. I've even sat through some really crappy uh, Hallmark movies uh, with the wife. Um, Doesn't your wife put out four to five Christmas trees? Yes, we have a, um, a Colts. Christmas tree. She was a okay. real big Colts fan in the past. Very random. Um, she was a big Jim Harbaugh fan and then followed Jim Harbaugh to the Colts, and that's how it led that yeah. way. I have no idea. I don't know. She's a preteen girl. I thought Jim Harbaugh was hot. Who knows? Okay. Um, so that's one. Uh, two, the second Christmas tree is my kid's random love for the Padres, and now it's become my wife's love for the Padres. Mm-hmm. So then she decorated an entire Padres tree. Um, don't quite understand that one, but that one is predominantly sitting in our living room for some reason. Um, we cut down a four-foot tree, so that one's sitting in the front entrance. That one's actually traditionally decorated, which is nice. And then we have our own, you know, stock Christmas tree. Nice little fake eight-and-a-half-footer sitting right in the middle of the living room, so... Have you gone Christmas shopping, or is it the fact that everything's online now? I did. That I, I, oh, that's part of it. So, did Christmas shopping. I haven't done an adequate amount of mall walking. I'm thinking this weekend is probably. I think it's Sunday's got to be a Schaumburg mall walk, maybe. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty scary. Like, another thing, and this is uh, this is a little pro tip for those of you newly married, possibly that could be listening to this or. Frank have newly have kids or like you, you have young kids, right? Yeah. You know what I've noticed is we've done all of the traditions that I used to do with my parents and that Gail's done with her parents and we never really did a good job of making our own traditions. Mm -hmm. Like 
With my parents, we went to the exact same Hardee's and ate the exact same meal and went to the exact same tree farm every year. And at the time, I thought that was dumb. But guess what? Got me in the Christmas spirit every year because we're doing the exact same thing the day after Thanksgiving, and I knew exactly what we were going to do. So I don't know. I don't know what the right approach is, but my Christmas spirit is I'm on that on Elf. I'm like on that part where it's not necessarily I'm not, not believing in Santa Claus. It's just my Christmas spirit's really low. The best way to spread Christmas cheer Maybe we need to do God. that and then it'll put you in a good mood. That was the line of lines right there. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it was oh. even weirder because you stared right into my eyes? I had nowhere else to look, Andy. Nowhere else to look. Do you think the idea of traditions has gone away? Totally. Just because people are, I'm so busy. I don't totally, and everything's for the gram and all this other garbage. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. It's kind of sad. So right. And like people are trying to like create. I mean, good for. I guess good in a way that people are trying to create these fun hallmark type experiences. But like, I'm not gonna wait in line to like see some fake like. Uh, I don't know Santa Claus scene or something like that. Like it's my a my kids are too old for that stuff, and it's just like it's just not. I don't know. I like I like organic. I like just like again like the snowfall. Give me all that stuff. That's what I. That's what I want. That's what I yeah. need. Yeah. Like I either want really cold, a lot of snow, or none at all. Give me Florida. So I want northern Wisconsin or Florida. That's that's what I want. I don't want I want this in between murky. 50 degree garbage. Give me give me full on Christmas snow. Give me the stuff that's in the songs. Yeah. Hey, I'm all good with that. I was just saying I wish we had some snow. If it's going to be chilly or cold, just at least give me some scenery with it. Right. So, I live in northern Illinois, I guess for a reason, amongst other reasons. I don't want to have t- Tennessee weather. Yeah. You'd live in Tennessee? I do like Tennessee, but I want snow. Okay. Well, this is going to be a fun little episode and a walk down memory lane. Speaking of going back to traditions and people, we have a special guest that you and Superintendent Ben Kelnoffer spoke with over Zoom. Yeah, I'm not going to put you through the torture of pronouncing his name. Uh, It's Visanu Tong Warren, Mm -hmm. affectionately known as V, a staple at uh, Mistwood for years. Uh, was the head pro here for 15 years. Uh, it's funny, V was my first boss on the bag drop. So at the time, we had myself, Dan Bradley, and uh, Mike Baldwin, kind of three three guys that have kind of taken the reins in the last 10 or 15 years and different uh, things that has have happened on this property. And uh, V was amongst kind of the, the starter. V was the, the OG and really... Um, Really kind of took it to the next level. Was that stalwart for a number of years at Mistwood and, and such an important piece. So it was kind of neat. Um, popped up on Facebook about a week ago that V is a quarter century member in the PGA, which is a really cool accomplishment and something to be really proud of. So our 25th year, V's 25th year, just seemed to like perfectly correspond. And so we, we had him on the pod. Well, let's get right to it. Here is Andy and Ben Kelnoffer. Talking with our old friend, V. 
We have a special guest here, uh, this new Tang Warren, longtime head professional here at Mistwood. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, I haven't seen you in a few years. I'm, I, when was the last time you were out there, Ben? A uh, couple couple years ago. We couple were years out. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for having me. So it popped up on my radar, and I I guess I, I should have realized that you were pretty close to it, but uh, just turned quarter century member with the PGA. What uh, what does that kind of mean to you? Um, <laughs> well, it came up quick. I, I, it was on my radar for like probably the past few years saying, okay, it'll take forever for this uh, 25 year thing. And I didn't think it was a big deal. And I just knew like, you just get the pin and the, uh, and the certificate. And you know, so, so, so my uh, peers are starting to get that too. And they're starting to announce it. So oh, it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I kind of creased up on you. I just, uh, you know, like, I mean, I was, I just, I just realized that after you asked me to do this, like, well, the, the year I got my membership is obviously the year I started at Misswood. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, time flies. So, uh, yeah, just even my dad said the other days, man, I can't believe you've been a pro for that long. So, what, time flies. What kind of made you get into the into the business? I, I remember you going to New Mexico State, and you're kind of still a proud alum. And I know you, you you had connections like back when you know I was working for you back in the early 2000s. I, I remember you always having like strong connection there. What what made you kind of choose the PGA PGM path? Um, in New Mexico State. Uh, pretty much, I wasn't good at anything else. I guess it's more of a default. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it's like I can hit a golf ball semi straight, so <laughs> with a <the> curve, <laughs> I'll, I'll always be like that. I guess. Um, yeah, just out of high school, I just uh, I know uh, I know I went to boarding school, and and they, they even had their own golf course, and I, I just love you know going there and playing and. And uh, like I said, I just, I just, I just, uh, I was pretty good at numbers. Accounting was on my, uh, was on my, uh, you know, radar, but uh, the golf has numbers on the scorecard. So I figured, you know, it's kind of, kind of the same thing. <laughs> so uh, I got some, I got some, uh, you know, some weird looks from my parents saying like, guys, like we prepped you all this time to put, you know, for you to go to a big university, a big, big, uh, um, successful, whatever, doctor or lawyer, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but uh, they were pretty shocked and they were probably reluctant for a few years of me actually becoming golf pro. So yeah, I just, uh, there's nothing else better to do. I, I just, I love, I fell in love with the game the past few years in high school. Yeah. And then you came out, so you come out of that program then you apply for your, your status. Where did, where did kind of choosing Mistwood or choosing to come to Mistwood fall in? Like, you know, did you, apply for an open position what was i i can't remember back that far because i was in college working here and when did that, what did that start was that 99 or 2000 that was 90 uh 99 spring um it's kind of funny how mistwood came into my lap because i remember mistwood was a new course and when i was talking about it i was at cantini and uh, i was i was actually i had an apprentice position and I was just about to get my PJ membership. And then was Danny um, Walker still there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Danny was there. Danny, Jeff Padula, yeah. um, Greg Barron. Um, there were the assistants there. And right Good when uh, and it, was, it was a great staff. Yeah. A strong staff. Yeah. Greg Jones is there. Uh, yeah, I think they're all of us just on the business. Um, yeah. So, so I knew about it. I heard about it. And then I find out that I didn't have any assistance, assistance position for me at Cantini because no one was really moving. And so I don't, I don't want to become a PGA member of being an apprentice at a golf course. You know, I love Cantini. 
and uh, and I heard about Misswood, and I, and I remember back then it was a the, uh, the PGA had a monthly newsletter because the internet wasn't that big back then, so it, the back page would always say what jobs are out there. You know, so you just have to wait 30 days to see what jobs are out there to see where the mouth of them So I remember seeing it, the Mistwood one, and I just, for a reason, I just didn't apply. And I just asked me before I knew I wasn't going anywhere to Cantini. And then the next month, I just remember it was, it disappeared. And I said, okay, someone got that first position at Mistwood. And then like uh, three, four weeks later, uh, Greg Walker, he used to work at Cantini, which I knew. You know, and obviously, you know, Dave, obviously Dave Walker's there, still there. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg told me, hey, like, we were talking about positions. He goes, oh, yeah, you should go apply at Misswood. I'm like, no, it's gone. I'm like, I, I saw the newsletter and there's, there's gone. I'm like, someone had to take it. He goes, no. He goes, I'm pretty sure it's there because I know Andy Skuchewski and Kevin Siri and Dan Plus. I'm pretty sure it's still open. I'm like, okay. It's like, well, let me know. And Greg comes back to me and tells me, like, it's still open. I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, and I remember, uh, contacted Andy and it was right before the Illinois PGA show or some kind of, you know, whatever show that was. And it basically, it was kind of a, Hey, just and, and said, Hey, just meet us out for lunch, you know, at the show one day. I'm like, okay, so I'll be there wasn't, too. And wasn't there a, hold on. Wasn't there an Olive Garden thing? We can talk about that later. That nothing that's to do with the opposite. That's the opposite. That's the opposite. They're getting hired. All right, keep going. Yeah, so I actually had a few interviews uh, that same day. I remember I interviewed a head of program Trapper's Turn and maybe Mission Hills, I think it was. And then I remember just like and Andy and Kevin wanted to meet me. And so they, I remember I met them over like lunch. Like they're just stuffing their face with the food, you know. I can tell they're they're busy with stuff, and they're like asking me a few questions. I'm like, okay, this is kind of a weird interview. It's like, I'm like, you know, so so uh, I left the interview. I was like, I have no idea how that went. So it's like, it's just like, like they're always busy. They're not really like they're whatever. So so that's how it came about. Then I think maybe a few days later, Andy called up and said, "Hey, we want you." So that's awesome. yeah, that's what I said. It was it was, it was meant to be, I guess. That's that's awesome. All right, so Ben, you've been what twenty one years? It's my twenty twenty season. Twenty season. Mm-hmm. Um, give me. I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Give me your best you and Ben K story. This can be anything. Probably, probably keep it PG thirteen. Um, but like you and you and your best Ben K story. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of R-rated ones between Ben and I, uh, and probably some other ones from this from our staff trips. Uh, I remember. Oh, I'm getting it full. I'm getting into staff trips later. I'm okay, okay, okay. No, no. Well, I remember, I remember meeting Ben. You know, and you know, and obviously, I think you wrote for Dave, right? Is it Dave yeah, yeah. Okay. And I remember, like, within a, a few weeks, we had a staff get together at uh, Jackhammer's game. And then, I remember you brought David to the game, <laughs> and I didn't know you that well. We just we just met, you know, started hanging out. And during the Jack Hammer game, we're all just sitting there. I remember you were you were like in the, in the front row of our group. <laughs> and then within a few innings, I just look up and I see this guy with no shirt on, with his son, no shirt on, just waving this shirt around <laughs> to the joy of Jack Hammer game. I'm like, that's our superintendent. <laughs> <laughs> so I just remember the first time. Okay, that's that's how it's, how that's how it's gonna be, huh? So 
<laughs> After that, I guess uh, so. We still do all that. Oh, yeah, I'm the <laughs> ultimate fan. Come on. So that was kind of PG thirteen, just me kind of knowing who Ben was. So so then so then I, I would say the next the next topic that I wanted to hit because these things were kind of a thing, a legend were were the staff staff trips. Um, the one of the funniest things I ever heard. If you guys could tell me. If you want to share it, the the Walt Chemansky story, and you were, think, be the towel. Yes, the towel. You have to share. I mean, find a way between you two to like have it be not too graphic, but man, it's it's one of the funniest stories ever. Everyone has. Yeah, it. it's, it's 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 it was so funny when it happened, and I just couldn't believe it was it was happening and. And uh, long story short, you know, Eric Lee, who used to work, but one of the bad, Mr. Bad Drop kids, real quick, I actually texted him last night. I was going to bed, like, man, I, I don't remember a lot of stories that I'm going to talk about this thing. So I texted Eric real quick and asked, and I asked him, hey, do you remember any stories? Like, I, I just can't remember a lot of them because from your mind, what's, what stand stood out to you? The first thing I said was the towel, the towel story. <laughs> so You're a really good storyteller. Do you want I mean, me to? Let's just say it certain individual um got into a pinch i guess and yeah happens right yeah you had to use the bathroom and there weren't a lot of uh resources available <laughs> well we were at past christian isles yeah. in mississippi in the in the middle of uh <laughs> the gulf yeah and, uh, yeah uh individual went to the bathroom and and uh took care of his business and and uh <laughs> Decided it might be funny just to leave that golf towel right in the middle of the cart path. <laughs> and um, our group got up to the green. Yeah. I, I was uh, with you. I was getting with you. ready to putt out, and we hear a big yell from <laughs> the middle of the fairway behind us, and it was Shemansky. Uh, Love Walt Shemansky. <laughs> he's got the towel in his hand, and he's waving it back and forth, saying, hey, somebody open their towel. <laughs> Needless to say, we had to take a five-minute break before any put out. But uh, I think we come back. Hey, just leave it right there. We'll come back and get it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was it was a Mizuno towel. For whatever reason, Mizuno towel just the the brain that we we remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you guys had you guys had a dancing rabbit trip, right? Where like, isn't New Orleans like two hours away? But you guys thought it was a great idea. Just all going to New Orleans and trying to find your way back home. I don't know if we went to New Orleans when we were at the dancing. Rabbit. No, I think the dancing rabbit trip was the first one we ever did down south, and yeah, it was. And we didn't go to New Orleans. The okay. year after is the when I went down separately with Grendel and Shamit before. <laughs> we flew down there. So we didn't fly a little, or we didn't drive. Let's just fly down there. Go to go to Fat uh, Tuesday or whatever it was. Oh, um, a few days before everyone arrived, and then the third trip I think was when. Yeah, there was a third trip was when Shamit, me, and Drendel was like, we all gonna go down there for for uh, for Mardi Gras or whatever. So that's that's what we did. We, we, and for so those, Paco got lost too, right? Couple times, yeah, a couple, times. couple times. And for those of you that may not know, that Dancing Rabbit is a golf resort. <laughs> <laughs> Two courses, really nice place. 
Yeah. Reservation, casino. It does, it does Arnold sell. Palmer, look it up. Make sure the Arnold Palmer design up or necklace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was nice. 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 It is. Yeah. It's like top 10 in the country right now for best uh, affordable golf trips. I, like I, I, I can see that. It was That uh, was the one where Travis Cedargren <laughs> passed out in the lobby. <laughs> for hours. <laughs> yeah. Until the, the next morning, we woke up. Yeah, it passed out in the lobby. That's also where there was an endless supply of Corona in the bathroom flower pot. <laughs> that? yeah. Yeah. That's where we hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, staff trips. Are there any more? No, any more than that. I mean, you could go. You could go deep at the Dancing Rabbit. No, there's one where you put your someone's head went through a hotel hotel hallway wall. <laughs> that was the dancing rabbit. It was? No, oh, no. no, no, that was uh No, that was Biloxi. Yes, that was Biloxi. That's when I screwed up in the hotel rooms and we, we had to split up the first night and then and then everyone got I don't know, everyone got really fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of many mistakes that you made, Dave. No, nah, that was a mistake. That was just a, <laughs> well, I was in the way. I shouldn't have been there, you know. So, um, no. But, but the, the the best thing I remember on the chat trips is the casino tables. That is the one of the best times I've had. Of just every year we go down, we have some kind of thing. Is the first year I remember was every time the teeter busted and everyone went on the table with the whole table would just chant, "No, ole, 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 ole." <laughs> then one was. Uh, uh, the next year, same thing happened, and and, and uh, whenever the dealer busted again, everyone won. And says everybody wins at Casino Magic. Everybody. <laughs> and then the third one was the East one check change. <laughs> and we were check change five. Check change five. Check change five. <laughs> uh, the casinos loved us. We we never got. I mean, we were, we were a fun bunch of group. We were we weren't. We, they knew we, we were all drunk, but we didn't do anything stupid. We were just having fun. Yeah, we were definitely loud, but they they really enjoyed us. So this this kind of shows us that you know we had a special group of guys. You know, most you know you see these guys like that. Some guys were like kicked out, or one or two guys kicked out. But I mean, we were always in check, keeping each other in check, making sure you know we, we all had a good time, but no, don't don't cross the lines. With uh, anything else, the, the time that we had the everybody wins at Casino Magic, <laughs> we had literally had taken over a whole pie gal table. And oh yeah, pie gal. Everybody, everybody at the table was winning except for Bill Hanley. He was, just, <laughs> he was, he was you know, he he's was always in a good mood. <laughs> but anytime somebody would win a hand, we would say that. And then I'm not kidding. Within a half hour. Every time somebody would win at that table, the whole casino would yell, everybody wins at Casino Magic. And I'm <laughs> pit bosses, and I'm like, hey, do you need us to tone it down a little bit? And he goes, no, keep going. Everybody's having a good time. Yeah, it was. Uh, all right, I got two more non-Mistwood things. Um, we'll talk about your um, thriving music career with the Big Divots. <laughs> And the controversy that might have been with your lead singer over the years. Oh, lead singer. Which one? We had two of them. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Move on from the first one. Like, yeah, it's like Dan Halen, right? I mean, like, both of them were good, and, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for drums. 
What's that? You were drums, right? He played drums. I played. Right. He played bass. Paco played. Paco played guitar and sang. Played guitar. Yep. Who sang and played tambourine and other percussion instruments. Triangle. Uh, Bill Hanley played, um, but those were like um, he just came for the guitar lessons. <laughs> so. I was there, I think, for your biggest uh, musical achievement, which was playing the back patio at McBrody's. Uh, that's that's the only music achievement we've never yeah, played. I'm saying that was the only time yeah. I think you ever played <laughs> outside, outside, of, Two times. outside of your house. Um, what was that like leading up to that? What what came to that decision that you guys need to take your act to the road? Well, <laughs> I remember we bagged, we bagged, we bagged a lot of them. Well, I mean, that was kind of that was kind of like our hangout spot way back yeah. in the day. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just remember. I remember walking in, in into you know, well, Bill Hanley's house probably back then, which was my house later. Um, I commandeered it, but by the way. Oh, we're getting uh, to that. We're getting to that. <laughs> uh, I just remember Paco teaching Hanley. You know, I remember in Hanley's chair, they're playing the guitar. And at first, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. This is a terrible decision. <laughs> An idea for Hanley to teach Hanley guitar lessons. I remember telling Paco, like, you have time for this? <laughs> um, and then after a while, I said, oh my gosh, like he's actually putting you know, strums together, uh, some rhythm. And then, and then I remember you, Ben. I remember like, and I think we mentioned it. But you said, "Oh, I played a little bass and so forth." And then I just, I just all came together. I think, I think, uh, I think we did it one winter. So we were bored, and and uh, so this is this is what happened. We put four non-talented people together <laughs> and try to and try to play music. So that's I think, I think after a while, I think it surprised us. I think Paco obviously was the key of teaching Ben, teaching Hanley, singing. You know, picking the easiest songs possible. I mean, the easiest songs possible for all four of us to play at the same time, uh, which is pretty uh, But uh, it sounded good. And, and then after that, I said, let's just play out. Let's go play out in public, I guess. You guys weren't bad. What was like your What was your best cover song you guys feel like? Well, oh, there's so many. <laughs> they were all good. They were all good. Well, Jet, Jet was better than I his favorite song. Uh, yeah. That was a um, Oh yeah, you guys used to play that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blue on black. I think you hated that song a little bit, didn't you? I got just got tired of playing it over and over, <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> no, it, it is it is crazy to this day. I, I hear so many of our songs we played. I tell my wife she's just me and Karen. She's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you don't hear Shrimp Float Avenue. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You hear the originals though. The originals, originals are pretty good. That was an original. Okay, so you you became a uh, a boarding house for a number of years for uh, a lot of Mistwood staff. <laughs> Talk about that. A, how it came about. B, some of like kind of your crazier moments. I I remember when you took that house over. I think I was maybe working at Second Swing at the time, and I came over. I, I don't know. We were playing poker or something like that. I come over and I just see a bunch of grown ass adults sitting in the living room playing Halo with <laughs> like a bunch of nerds. But like, give me some of it. Like, how did that all come about? You, you know, I, I know like it used to be Bill's house and it became your house. And like, uh, what, what, just just kind of tell some stories about that place. So well, like, I think it came down to whenever, whenever, uh, um, no, unfortunately, Bill got divorced again, again. <laughs> 
<laughs> poor Bill. So, so when he got, you know, he had a big house, four bedrooms, actually maybe four and a half bedrooms. And, 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 and that's when Paco was, was hired at Misswood. And he was doing his own thing, like somewhere at a local course, health and teaching. And then I needed a place to stay as my second or third year there. Cause I was, I was moving to some apartments and living with some friends. And Hanley asked me to just come stay with him. I was like, I'll stay with you. There's only a few miles away from the house. And then, and then I think it was us three at first. So there's you know, still an extra bedroom. And then I think maybe Jim Sterling. Because we were Hanley say, well, the more I fill this room with, with these single guys, I can, you know, make, I can pay my own rent. I'll pay my own mortgage. So, so he just started filling it. And next thing you know, like every year, the system would leave, but then the system would come in. <laughs> uh, even, even the superintendent would come in for a while. Right? I think Tony Tony came in and lived, lived with us for a few weeks. He had did some he really? Going on. Yeah. How did that work out? Tony? Tony? Oh, no. But no, I mean, like, how, I'm not saying how did he get there. Like, yeah, Tony being a, a housemate like Paco had to be. Were there ever housemates together? That had to be wild. Like in the same room? No, no, no. no. Like, like same house, just two very different guys, I think. This is my. Oh, gotcha. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, we all, we all, we all, uh, uh, you know, Hanley started becoming one of us and Hanley worked probably less than all of us. So, um, you know, he had a really good job and he'd come home and after lunch, he's sitting there dead asleep in his chair, watching Oprah, whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, we have, we have, you know, it's like, it, it just happened that way. I think, I think we had a, uh, I think we called it bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, Pretty funny because we actually met. I met some of my neighbors just at the at trail in when I when I went to Colorado, and everyone was like. And I even met the guy behind me. I keep playing golf, and he forgot that I was a pro there. He's like, I was one. I was one of them from your house. I thought like you guys were selling drugs or like, <laughs> no, just you no, know, just some some frat party. Some guys do some illegal things. Like no, they were just we're just no, it's pure golf. We're just golf pros that that work hard, have fun, and you know, and and, and because we're all. We're all single countless, or countless hundred dollar throwing poker games going mm-hmm. basically yeah. Halo games. Yeah, no big deal. Um, yeah, the the best the best story I remember was when because so we I mean back in the days when we would go out, we would go out like downtown enjoy at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and so forth. I remember Sterling was in the the hallway across from me, and I was in, and I had him own the house back then because I was because the master. And I remember he opened the next morning, which happens all the time. We always go out, whoever, no matter what, you open the next morning, you're going out with this. And for some reason, I always leave my phone on, you know, as, as I was Jim's head pro, I was head pro and Jim's my assistant. And I always leave my, my uh, phone on in the morning, just in case uh, I'm the third person in line to come open the fourth shop, open the course, if no one else ends or no one's there to open it. And I remember for wherever that night, I didn't turn on my phone on loud. So obviously I'm, I'm sleeping in and only thing I remember was someone banging on my door like at 5.45 in the morning and I hear someone just yelling and stirring on across the hallway. It was Andy Kajewski, our GM. Oh, he, couldn't, he can't get a hold of anyone. He couldn't get a hold of Jim. can't get a hold of the second person. can't get a hold of me. Over. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if he drove. Yeah, I drove over. And he basically he knew the he actually knew the combo. Obviously, he came, came to my house. He basically, he basically not he knew Jim's open. He didn't be on my door. Uh, well, he might have, but uh, I just remember our GM walking to our house, and just basically waking up the whole staff to go come up to the golf course. 
Like that doesn't happen that often in, in the golf business where that happens. <laughs> that's pretty good to only have that happen like one time. Well, that's that was pretty impressive with Jim. Yeah, yeah, with Jim. No, we've we've yeah. all done it before. Yeah, we um, we had we have one person that that was just common. It's <laughs> common commonplace. Oh. Show up a half hour late. Oh, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, with both you guys sitting here, and we'll start getting some Mistwood stuff. What were kind of both your initial thoughts as a bulldozer is driving through the third fairway, third green uh, for the course design redesign? Um, I mean, I when or kind of lead, uh, even talk through like kind of leading up that because you guys were part of the conversation. I mean, I can remember hearing once once Jim, you know took ownership of Mistwood. I mean, everybody had kind of in the back of their mind, oh, okay, we can <clears throat> kind of take this place to the next level. We can do something better, you know, bigger and better. And I felt like those talks were even happening like in 2000s. Oh, yeah. Or like, yeah. well, yeah. before ground was broken. So like kind of sure. walk through or kind of both of you tell a story like through that that whole process. Um I think the, fir the first thing was the T's and the bridges. That's when I think he actually – Right, he finally kind of broke down. He finally finally broke into the ground. Hey, this is my start. I just hit the T's and bridges, the stuff that uh, see that needed the infrastructure to make the course work. And then I think, I think then we took uh, like a year off or something. And then we, I mean, mm -hmm. you probably remember better than I do, Ben, all the stages. And then we were closed a few times, too, not just once, but two, two or three times, I think. And I think initially there was no, there was no plan to renovate the golf course I mean, we were strictly talking about a clubhouse build and the more and more and we got into it and the deeper we got into it we realized that we really didn't have a big enough footprint for a clubhouse and yeah we'd had some other ideas as to where to maybe put it but those didn't work out either so um, in order to really make it work uh, you know we we had to make some room and that's kind of what started the ball rolling on moving the third green and how do we fix the flooding problems and so why don't we have all these bunkers and it just kept unraveling yeah. and then the next thing you know we have a huge master plan and clubhouse gets pushed back and we do a renovation of the golf course first and then from there the performance center and I'd, I'd like to think we had a pretty good plan but it just kind of yeah. naturally happened on its own for the most part so uh, I remember standing on the back patio of the old clubhouse the day that we started renovation on the golf course. Yeah, yeah. First blade from the first bulldozer went right through the third fairway. Huh. McCarthy looked over at me this is with big eyes, and he goes, "Are we really doing this?" <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, well, "We can't go back now." Yeah. <laughs> the third fairway. No, it's surreal. It's surreal watching like yeah. big equipment going through greens and fairways. Like man, like it just it looks looks too good to do. You know, whenever he's got green, nice green fairways, green perfect perfect shaped greens, and just just someone just bulldozing. It's just surreal. It was nothing. It was a bummer to kind of see the the third the third hole blown up because that was one of my favorite holes. It had like. Such like a cool little nuance to the green. Every everyone that like came from the outside hated that green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool little like a finger in the middle, kind of finger down the right, and the little tongue on top. 
You know, when you hit that tee shot, you try to hit it on one of the three mounds on the upslope. And like, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe you'd have a chance to go for it uh, in two. So it had like kind of this like little local knowledge thing. There's there's a few of those spots where I think selfishly playing the course thousands of times like we had, it's like I wish some of those, a few of those were still in there. I think we, we still have some of those, but. Um, it was it was fun in its imperfection, I would say, uh, on, on some of those holes. Or even, yeah. I think back to number one or number seven, which became number one, like that big tree that used to sit right next to the creek. Second, yes, right next yeah. to the Kind of define that, that tee shot. Yep. Like I missed that one. But there was a little apple tree on the left side, mm-hmm. now number two. Yeah. yeah. We've never been – I don't think we've ever done a good job of trying to um, – kind of make that penalty the same as it was. But that apple tree was a pain in the butt. Oh. If you your ball would find it was underneath it all the time. It was brutal. I used to stand on the second green and pray for a back pin on three. <laughs> try to look up there because it's a par five going, oh, what color is that pin? Or you had like that old willow that would hang over the corner. Yeah. Like, what in the hell? I just hit a good wedge shot and yeah. the willow goes. In the- we, should, we should have done that on the last day that Women's Open. We had an eight-hole, eight hole eight we played that eight hole playoff with the same two girls back to the, on that on that hole. <laughs> yeah. They played it eight times, I think they did, until someone someone won. <laughs> Was there any any holes like that that stuck out uh kind of pre pre-redesign and post post design that kind of stuck stuck out to you? Or are they the same holes that you, you liked before and liked after? Or, or any, any kind of particular hole that really sticks out to you? I think I think twelve had the biggest like visual. I mean, obviously besides three. But uh, I thought 12 was, you know, with just the, the way the bridge, the new bridges there, the, the solid bunkers. I thought that was a pretty hole. I mean, I think, uh, I think just the, from the pictures, you know, what we've, we've taken after the renovation, just saying, oh my gosh, like, just looking at the hole, just like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Just, I mean, from what it was before, from what it was, just, you know, just, just a regular hole, you know, short hole, had a little bunker on the left, maybe that they, they, they maybe saw. But uh, I think 12 was the most prettiest size in like, just the way it looked uh, changed from the first to, to, to the to new one. We did a, um, we did a pro tip video. I don't know if you saw it with big Frank talking about number 12. He goes, this is a risk reward par four. Sometimes I try to drive the green or lay up. I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> 363 from the back tee. None of us are actually doing that. It was like one of his first videos that he did with us. And it was like, Frank, come on now. You got like, Talk to the human beings in in, in the video. <laughs> yeah, it's a risk reward part four. Yeah, he didn't say he used three wood too, did he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those two those two new back tees are really what enhanced the visual. Oh yeah, aesthetic of that hole because we never had those before, and they went back. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it was a whole different view from up there, which is awesome. So I remember. I mean, I was just kind of always around Mistwood when that was happening. And I remember you guys talking about it wasn't ever a realistic goal to have basically 12 T go down five fairway and five to go down 12 fairway. Was that ever a realistic thing? Yeah, I don't remember that one there. Yeah, I think we discussed it, but I think not too much came from it. I I mean, I could be wrong, but Ben, you're probably more in in those meetings and discussions than I was. I think Everything was on the table. <laughs> yeah. About everything was. No, what? Well, yeah, yeah. Because you're trying to lengthen. You were trying to lengthen the course, like literally by by the yard. We're just trying to get every yard possible. I mean, to hit that seven seven thousand 
Yeah, I mean, the first question that everybody asks is they stand on the back to you three, they turn around and see a mound like 70 yards back. You're like, what's this all about? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yard. Had to be 7,000 yards back in the day, I guess. That was <laughs> yeah. the benchmark. So I'd say that's that's a junior tee for hole number six. Oh, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a great 25-yard tee for yeah, hole number six. Is, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I even know at one point we looked, we really wanted to put the clubhouse on the big lake. Yeah. yeah. It changed the whole routing of it. Yeah, and, and in order to do so, um, you know, we we couldn't do it with the amount that we had, and we looked at the land north of number twelve. Yeah, so all the way out to Airport Road. Yeah, a lot of it was was wetlands, but there was enough to squeeze three holes out there. But um, so I've I've thought about that because you could have. I, I remember you guys saying this couldn't. I mean. Why couldn't you have just kind of blown up 17? Was there not enough room to have, or was it wetlands to have like a parking lot where 17's at, have a clubhouse basically butting up to eight green, mm-hmm. moved up eight green, and yeah. basically where everything is right now, like that we're sitting in, could have been a par three. There were a replacement. lot of drawings and ideas that went around. The, the new entrance would have been at 17. Yeah. The stoplight. Yep. Parking lot would have been the 18th fairway. Clubhouse would have been where the eighth green is. So you do lose eight. Would have been shortened. We yeah, lost lose eighteen. Yeah, you probably yeah. could have squeezed a par three in um, where the existing clubhouse and parking lot is, maybe. Yeah. But then you're still down a hole because 16, also, 16 and 17 probably would have become one hole. In the range too. Yeah, and then the range would have been a little without purchasing additional land, and it just wasn't available. So, um, but in hindsight, what we got, everything worked out, and it's fantastic. So, Um, speaking of the old clubhouse, any nightmare stories about the old clubhouse? Oh, man. Oh, it's it sm- yeah. It's the, every the morning, walking in tanks there. in the bottom. Oh, of yeah, the- he's pouring the bleach down the toilet this this morning. <laughs> we got a clog. <laughs> oh, oh man! I, just, I, rem- I remember that the, the card staging area too is it, it was so dangerous because it's so small. And I remember Sh- Chef Sh- uh, Jim Shamit, his his kid, got a cart by accident, hit the hit the accelerator, and jumped over. A little rock thing in the way and hit the clubhouse, and it was so dangerous and it was so small. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I mean, it's not just inside but around the clubhouse. So um, yeah, good riddance to that guy. My first day of work, May third, two thousand three. First day head-on collision with a member <laughs> coming around the cart barn. Yeah, I believe it. Was pouring down rain. He was going backwards. I was going forwards back to the shop, and he blamed it on me. He was the one driving backwards. <laughs> if you're listening, you know who you are. <laughs> Bolio? Yeah. Was it Bolio? It was Eddie. Yeah, I figured it was Eddie. It was Eddie. Speaking of, he had a few choice words for me. Let's put it that way. Speaking of members, like, is there any that kind of stick out to you? I mean, he talked about Hanley a little bit. Obviously, uh, Bolio, the virus, he stands out. 
Is there any like members or, or good stories that kind of st- stick out to you kind of over the years? Oh man. Ooh, man, I just memberships. It's uh, I, I, I mean, one thing that I always remember when you asked me about this, I'm like, I, I just remember like, how, how do you, how do how does a pro like let go of three members? Right. And I just remember like, I just remember I, I, three is the number. I remember I had like, three members go just because they didn't enjoy the place. They're, they're treating the staff poorly and, and, uh, but I mean, that's the thing about it, three out of the 16 years I was there is not that bad. Right. It's, it's, it's uh, I think overall the membership was, I think I said, we were always talking about we were a family, right. And, and, uh, I think all the, all the, all the events that we did and, and after parties, after, after the members dinner and, and, uh, and some of the members joining us on, on some staff trips when there's, when there's room, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it's crazy how like you know, me being here in Colorado, obviously went from, from like having a family and next, you know, like I'm, I'm away from everyone. And, and, uh, you know, I said, the good news is that, you know, some members are visiting me and some, I mean, and, uh, Jim Hively visited me last fall. Yeah. Uh, so I talked to Dave Stevens the other day and, and, uh, you know, I think overall, I think, when, I think we kind of made a precedent when, you know, we didn't have an interview process, but we had a, you know, kind of get to know each other to make sure, hey, we were, we were kind of making sure, hey, make sure you're, this is the right place for you. Like, yeah, yeah, you can, you, can, you can afford it. You can afford it four times over if you need, if you can, you, you can, but the thing is, we want to make sure you're a good fit to us. And I think that was, that was a good thing having Jim as a owner. He, he said, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want those members out here that doesn't take care of the golf course or treat the staff poorly. So, uh, we were lucky to have that option to to, to interview him and to say, "No, you'd be a great fit." Kind of laid out the law. Hey, this is this is who we are. You know, like you know, that when you're a member, you represent us, you represent the staff, and, and we're all just we're all here to get along. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I think I think even to you guys now, I think you guys are still in, in such a still a good good uh, good area where you, where you can maybe do that. And, and, and I've seen I've seen clubs out here and right? just to just like some members take advantage of some courses and just treat the staff poorly and say, man, it's like, I wish, I wish, I wish, you know, they were in the situation we were, uh, you guys are now. So. Yeah. I, I mean, we've, we've been fortunate, obviously COVID and everything else, but it's like the pipelines, you know, just gotten that much bigger, you know, now we're at 225 members where <laughs> when, when you had left, it was probably around 75 or 80. I mean, it was just under a hundred. Yeah. And, yep. um, you know, but it's still, still the same premise. It's like, you know, I, I, I learned that from kind of just being around Misswood from guys like you, like I, I tell it all the time. Like even when, when new members are joining, like, Hey man, the only way to know if this is worth it or the right place, the ones that actually participate are actually, you know, part of this place, part of what we're doing, mm-hmm. in, you know, the, the Friday game, the albatross that was created all the way back in, Whenever you know, yeah. playing that every Friday. Um, part of the be part of the club, be part of the traditions, and and you'll get it. You'll understand why people are here and why there's kind of a, a glue to this place. Um, so it's it's pretty cool that that's still a lot of that stuff's around. I mean, you know, the the Fourth of July event. Did, did you start that, or was that started before you? Yeah, I did. I did, I did that one. I, I wanted to do something that I remember Mike Baldwin kind of threw on the tees. <laughs> And back then we had red, white, and blue tees, and they asked him, "Oh, this is perfect to this." So yeah, that uh, yeah, I think that one, and jambalaya, oh, and one, everyone's a yeah. 
Yeah. Everyone has a chili open. It's like, let's just do something that's tastier. <laughs> so, so, so here, here's a crazy stat. Last year, um, our kitchen said that we served almost 700 pounds of food to 144 players. That's oh my goodness. Hundred pounds of food. Wow! Must have been must have been cold that day. <laughs> That's a lot of andouille sausage. <laughs> uh, any good any any good uh, staff member staff member stories that we we haven't hit? I mean, I know most of those are probably on trips and stuff, but um, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I was trying I mean, to like poke Russell and and Ariadne, and it's like. Man, they they make you out to be a super straight laced guy, V. I don't know what's, what the deal is. Yeah, they were they were too they were too good. I mean, yeah, they we, we all had good times, but uh, yeah, they're too, too good of boys. God bless them. <laughs> but they were part of the shenanigans. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Glad you bought, I bought those two up, so I'm, I'm glad those two are still there. And uh, you know, from uh, from uh, yeah, being assistants, being assistants to me. So it's awesome that. Uh, you guys are taking care of them, and, and hope they're, they're hope, hope they're happy there. And, and uh, you know, I know they're changing roles here and there, which is cool. The changes up sometimes. You know, I in that's one thing that when I came out here, I, I enjoyed just changing up the role, just changing up something that I, I didn't do for you know, that long. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm glad I, I see you guys. This, this, you guys still did the staff thing. Like uh, you guys kind of brought it now for the, the staff day or staff. Yeah, we we. Awesome. Yeah, we, we kind of created a uh, what was it the bocce ball tournament? Bocce now. ball. That's fun. It, it's it's interesting. Just like just kind of the overall growth that we've had. You know, we have a new restaurant this year and such, and now the next big thing on our radar is is adding another dome and things like that. But like, we're still sticking to the core values. Like you guys, you know, leading into you know some of that stuff I was exposed to right as you were leaving and I was coming in, like. Um, you know, there's still kind of that old feeling of being in the trailer, right? There's like mm -hmm. still like the same kind of fundamentals are driving everything. So it's like mm -hmm. if it fits in the buckets that kind of made Mistwood Mistwood, then then we are still pursuing it, even though you know stuff's changed, we've gotten bigger or whatever. It's still still the same kind of fundamentals. Um, so this year's Mistwood's 25th. Um. 20 of those years, Jim McWethy was was the owner or the family. Uh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, what's kind of like your your fondest memories of Jim or even tell a story about Jim like that would expose him? Like <laughs> you might <laughs> tell something, Ben, whatever you got. I, well, I mean, believe it or not, I still have dreams about him. It's it's crazy. I mean, like uh, I still have dreams once in a while. I probably had, I don't know, he's in my dreams once in a while just because like, uh, I have missed dreams. And then he's always there. And, and and one thing I tell one thing like uh, one thing I tell a lot of assistants here, uh, some pros here, and so forth. And, and I just I just had a mentorship thing the other day, and I told them, hey, it's like when I was at Misswood, and I said as a pro, and you're out the face of, of the facility. I told them that hey, every time I talk to a guest, a member, or whoever, or even another employee, is I always imagine my owner Jim McWethy beside me, and I said this, that's how I, that's how I treated myself at work. So it, 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 I represent him. He trusted me hundred percent on how to run a golf course. You know, so I, he trusted me how to treat guests no matter, you know, the religion or whatever. So I, I'm still professional, be fair. 
you know, and, and that's thing that always drove me to, you know, to always become better, no matter who it was, no matter, no matter if I see him all the time or, or, or guests, the first time I met him it's like, Hey, how would Jim, Jim was right, right beside him, how would I treat this, this person? And that's, that's what kind of kept me going of, of you know, custom, just guest services. You know, it's like, this is, you know, it might be my million guests, but to them, to him, this first time in this would, I just remembered, you know, he's, he's such a humble guy and, and, uh, uh and, and, you know, you, you, you would never guess, like I said, you guys, you could never guess that he, he would own a golf course, you know, and, and always proud of what he did. And, and I just remember, I just remember the pickles. I just remember we we had so many meetings with, you know, with, with architects and, and engineers off, off site during that time. And we went to lunch one time is in Oak Brook and in the, in the and I remember he had no mushrooms and mushrooms. You remember he asked the lady, she goes like, what if I get mushrooms on this sandwich or something? And, and she'll, Oh, it'll be an extra 25 cents or 50 cents. He goes, he goes, mm, okay, I'll go for it. <laughs> so he gets the he gets the mushrooms and somehow like the fume fall off and they're, and they're, and they're about to take, take away the plate and stuff. And, and, she, and literally she had it on her, like on, on, like she's about ready to take a step away from the table with his mother. And he saw there's like too much of them on, on the plate. And, and he's like, no, 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 come back here. And I was like, I got to finish these stupid mushrooms. No, and this type of guy is, you know, I was like, every little thing counts. Everything, little thing meant, meant something to it, no matter if it's, you know, money or just values or, or people or who, whoever they were. So I don't think I have one like, exact thing because like, you know, besides just to embarrass him, but overall, I think, he, I think, I, I don't. I never could embarrass him because I respected him too much. You know, so one of those things where. Have you ever seen anybody draw a golf ball like he did from that steep of a position coming down? Who? Him. Oh. He was coming down and be able to draw a golf ball. It took so much. Yeah. Time. <laughs> it, like, we don't, I was. I wasn't. I wasn't in the. Uh, I wasn't in the position to make fun of his swing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually never got a chance to really to help him on his swing. I think. I was like third or fifth on a, on, on a list. I always wanted to give him a lesson and uh, just like, I'm going to help you out. And uh, um, yeah, like, I, I, remember, I remember swing real well. And I remember his Navy shirts, Navy, <laughs> Navy black, his, his uh, white and Navy shirts polos daily. So yeah. I think it's cool that you kind of referenced him in that way and, and how you remember him and the things that provided because even though you know he's not with us um sometimes when i find myself in a jam or trying to make a decision on something it's not necessarily uh you know what would jim do but more so of you know what would he want and right. I think about that at times and it, and it helps so it's like you know he's he's there in some capacity yeah. so and i always kind of you know, utilize that as a tool. I was like, you know, okay, what, what would he do or what would he want? And, and it, it, sometimes it helps with decision-making and other things and, and how we proceed forward with things. So yeah, and it's really, really cool. It's like until you're exposed to the environment too, like you don't understand what it means to like the, the whole phrase, you know, we believe in high quality products and services. And it was like, you know, coming from the, you know, back from the business world, it was like, cut every penny, cut every penny, cut every penny, cut every penny. And it was like, well, we have to do it the right way here first. Then we'll worry about making money. We finally started making money. Thank right, God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's few but thank, thank you, COVID. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's just like, 
you know, the way this place was wired and built is just different, um, different than others. And unless you're like part of it, you can't, it's hard to explain. Take no, from, I, I think even, even to this day, sorry, Ben, go ahead. I, I think from the get go too, you know, he, he, we have had enough good people at this place that, that, um, you know, their passion, um, everything that's involved with that. I mean, there, there's some sense that, you know, it was, I never thought it was going to fail because I always knew we had the right people in place. We had the right ideas. We were all in the same boat, rowing in the same direction. And, and at some point it was all going to come to a head and we were there. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it, it was a long haul, but I, I it, feel like we're, we're finally where. So it's like we hit the 25 year mark this year. It's like, what's, what's the 50 year mark look like? I mean, I, I, none of us, none of us are around. There's not a tie to it. It's like, I think about that too. Like the legacy component, like, um, you know, who's that next kind of, you know, think of it, you know, when you're head pro and I'm, I'm on bag drop, right? Like who's that next person that's going to kind of continue the torch of this place. Cause it's special to all of us. And that's kind of how I think sometimes when I'm like talking to a 16 year old backstaff kid and it's like, Hey, you know, what's, what's the plan or what are you thinking about? Or is, is there a plan? It doesn't need to be one, but right. Um, like just kind of seeing who that next crop is. Cause uh, you know, just, we just care about it in a, in a different way. Um, no, I mean, like I said, not many courses are like Missler were you know, like, you know, there's generations, like a family. I mean, it, yeah. the, 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 the generation are taking over the family business. You know, who, I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people there now know. Some people know, like you, know, you uh, Frank, you know, Dan, and Bradley. I mean, you guys, you guys were, you guys were bad kids. You know, it's crazy now. Now you guys are basically literally running the places. And, and you're right, who's who's the next ones? Right, you never know. I mean, I mean, it's not to me like you'll probably always the way you will probably hire within, just because you know your heart's got to be in the right place before you before you take the, before you take any position there. That's that uh, that's needed. They'll, they'll show up when you least expect it. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, so V, what are, what are you up to now? Uh, what are you, what are you doing? Where I, you're living in Denver area, right? Yep. Uh, what, what, uh, no, I'm yeah. playing a lot of golf. I'm not going to lie. Huh? What's the, what's a day in the life of V? All right. So, um, I, 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 I just teach. I basically, I, I had a full-time position here and there as a player development corner with the city of Westminster, which has two courses, beautiful courses, two championship courses. It's cool that I can go back and forth and, and whatever, but, uh, I just want to believe it. Or not, I, I fell in love with the game more and more and more. And even from last year, this year, I just want to play more golf for whatever reason. I just, and I was thinking back to man, as, as head pro in Misswood, like I'd play once in a while. And we play a lot, but like now I just want to play. I try to play five days a week. I know kind of awesome. Kind of kind of obviously unattainable for a lot of people, but uh, I actually joined my courses to actually play here. Uh, I, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll teach a few lessons in the morning. I call my book and lessons. I'll go play some golf and then I'll teach some lessons afterwards and I'll go home and pick up the kids. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> like that's yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm part of PJ Hope too. PJ Hope has become a big passion of mine. The past year and a half, I did three, I did uh, three sessions. I'm actually started a fourth one in in, uh, in, a, in an indoor simulator place. I'm part of this winter. Uh, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Like as soon as I went to 
Washington DC to get a uh, train or Puget Hole. I came home. I met Chef. Wow, this is this is my new thing. I just I was so excited. I, I, you know, I thought it would be a, so. I knew like something in me like I just knew. Hey, teaching golf can be more impactful. It isn't just getting someone to, to you know, love the game more, which is still fun, so awesome to do and, and change our lives. Hopefully, to to introduce the game to them, make them love the game where they're out there playing all the time, sharing with their family and friends. Yeah. But uh, doing it with for for veterans is, is is pretty cool. Actually, I had a meeting with my PGA Open pastor before I came on here. Uh, he's actually one of my graduates, so he's our ambassador for our PGA section here in Colorado. So it's like you know, we meet all the time, you know, and and uh, start start new relationships. And uh, um, so I want to help my pastor now is just helping him out and trying to get more and more veterans through the program. And, yeah. uh, and showing them they know it's like a golf can be a, good, a great outlet for you guys, great way to meet other veterans and trying to start up different leagues for them, even be outdoor or indoors. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what my, my new passion is, 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 is that. I, I mean, I came out of nowhere, to be honest with you, just all of a sudden, boom, just. That's cool. Yeah, I was at the PJ annual meeting last month, and, and it sounds like there's going to be – some avenues are looking into at least the next couple of administrations, um, easier avenues for veterans to get involved as far as, you know, even their PGA membership. So I think everyone unanimously is on board with that. Um, the last couple of years, actually, it's funny kind of tying this all together with the, with the McGuethy family. So we restarted um, the McGuethy cup. So after Jim passed, you know, we waited a couple of years, obviously, the COVID implications and everything else too. Um, we were starting McGuethy cup and the sole beneficiary of the first two years has been PGA hope. I mean, it just made so much sense to um, align that with like Jim's core beliefs. I mean, a very patriotic guy um, whenever you're around him, and like, there is no, it feels like there is no better organization um, right now in golf uh, to, to be getting behind and, and, and being a part of. So that's, that's awesome that you've taken that on. It's kind of cool how kind of those are, those are connected. Just, just happen to be connected in the way that they you know, are. Yeah. I actually wanted to come down from the McGregor cup this year. And actually believe it or not that that morning I had, I'll show you the next morning I had a PG hope class and said, there's no way I get back in time. Uh, you're, so you're always on the invite list. If you ever, ever want to come and um, yeah, we had some veterans out too, that were, you know, telling their story of, I don't think people understand it's, way more than golf lessons to these people or, or way more than just getting on the golf course. It's like literally changing their lives, which is, is crazy to us. Cause we're, you know, sitting behind a desk and not, not really right. exposed to it. So it's, yeah, the, the, the story is that when we sit down and tell them, Hey, this is obviously it's a more a veterans program first golf program second and sitting down with them and hearing the stories. And we asked, you know, first thing we asked them to introduce themselves, you know, what, uh, what what service what uh, service branch you work for? Where you in? How long? You know, so forth. The stories they tell, and and just like and then after a while, they, they you know, tell that they bond each other, they bond with you know, army to army, marine to marine. Uh, it's just it, it's I think it's so cool that uh, we can provide a platform for the integration of these people out out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, boom! You know, now they're playing golf together. Now they become good friends, and and, and now we, we both we, we build off of it. So I already ha- already have you know a handful of guys that play golf with each other that they never met before before PJ Hope. So it's uh, I think it's no, that's just the beginning of it. Uh, truly look forward to to more and more as you know. So I'm glad you guys are supporting that too, and hope they can make it next year to help support it more. Yeah, that's 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 great. Um, how's your golf game? You said you're playing five times a week. You still hitting high draws, high bombs. 
Uh, hi, draws. I'm not sure of bombs. Um, uh, I am working on my sway. That's, I think that's the reason why I just fell in love with the game because I know there's another level, you know, that I, 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 I want to reach. I just want to. I don't care about tournaments. I don't care what I plays. I just I know personally that I could play better and, and improve over and over again. I think that was a challenge for me since I moved here in Colorado. I, I think I told Ben knows and maybe I told Jan. Like when, I, when I moved here, I wanted to change my whole swing. You know, I, 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 and, and it's taken eight years so far. <laughs> it's still, uh, it's still going. It's, yesterday I was in the simulators and trying to work on my swing too. So it's, uh, it's cool that, uh, um, that my wife supports me, my family supports me, but I, I'm not trying to make any tours by any means. I just know in my, in my mind, I just know I can play better. And that has renewed this, this newfound love for the game. I just want to play more and more and more. So. That's the, the mindset. It's funny you say that. That's the exact mindset. We have a, like a parents night. We, we're still, you know, the cat program's still alive and well um, at Mistwood. It's kind of expanded, obviously, with, with more interest in junior golf. And the first night when we talked to the parents, I talked exactly what you just said, which is I said, Nicole's sitting down there at the end of the, you know, end of the table. She's 55 years old and she still thinks her next round is going to be the best round she's ever going to have. It's like you got to get in that mindset. Sure. do everything possible in order to have tomorrow's round be the best round you ever had. So it's kind of funny that you, that you say that too, you know, maybe, maybe your best years are ahead of you. You never know, but that's, that's kind of the craziness of golf is you get in that mindset yeah. and that's, that's what good players do. And, you know, I, I had this come to Jesus meeting the other night with our players, not to like sidetrack, but like, this kid's talking about, you know, swing speed and where it looks, and he keeps recording the picture on his phone. And I look at the face, and it's just like dot, 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 all over the face. Oh, yeah. Look, when I was playing, we didn't have track, man. You hit it right here. <laughs> so you can hit it right here. None of this other crap matters at all. Yeah. Here, then we worry about the other stuff. But until you're here, I don't even want to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's just funny how – and I'm sure you've seen that teaching more and more like just everything is about how it looks on Instagram or how this and that, or what the track man numbers are. It's like, if you hit it in the middle of the face, it'll be a one five smash. I'll guarantee it. So why, don't <laughs> yep. do that? why don't we do that first? Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't have too much equipment. I, I still teach kind of, you know, I bring a club if you training age, but I don't, I don't do much. Uh, and that's, that's, I know I need to. I mean, it'll help definitely help my students more and more. But uh, I think I've done. I think I've done pretty good with just just teaching them. You know, the old, old ways. Just you no, know, talking to them, showing them. What's the um? What's the worst lesson you ever gave? The worst? Yeah, the worst lesson. Probably me. I that, that's completely like something. Yeah. Different way. Something that you might have taught 15 years ago that's completely wrong now. Now that like science has caught up a little bit. Oh man. Um, I still haven't recovered. I refuse. I mean, <laughs> yeah, me teaching full time now is like it's one of those things where I, I tell everyone I still have a lot to learn. You know, that I've been full time, what, eight full time teacher, eight years. He knows I taught a lot and and missed it on the side. But uh, every year, I just there's just new different there's just new ways for me to 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 explain it to my students. You know, and, and sometimes it'll just come out during a lesson. I'll say this, but it's, oh, that's a pretty cool way I said that, and and they'll say, oh, that's that's yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good way to, to, learn, to learn it that way. And I'm always learning different ways to, to you know, convey our students. I, I, I hang out with a few buddies here like this, this morning yesterday, I hang out with a few other PJ pros that I'm actually learning from. And I was like, I'm trying to learn from them. I'm trying to learn from everyone possible, just so different way. But uh, 
the biggest thing that I think the worst, when we first asked me the, the worst lesson, actually pretty funny because there's a joke going around in my boss here that about refunds. Like you don't really refund lessons, but I gave out two refunds the past two past eight years. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, I remember the name because I just remember going home that night. So I just, could, I just, I just kind of felt sick to my mouth that I had to give a refund to. And those are the two guys. And think about, think about it. now those two guys just didn't, didn't wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear you know, what I what I wanted to give them, even though I was very, I gave, I gave them different angles. I gave them different ways to do it. Uh, so one of those things, and, and one of those things, and I always apologize, and one of those things we always say, hey, I, I apologize for not helping you. And there's, no, 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 you understand, I, I understand, you're, you're probably a good teacher, just just didn't work for me. It was just completely fine, and, and it happens. But from now on, so I think there's, there's a trust issue. The biggest thing that every time I meet a new student, I tell them, hey guys, before we move on, you know, and, and before we do all anything, either be just holding the club, so forth. Like, hey, I need you to start with a, with a clean slate in your mind. You probably gone through YouTube videos, you had a lot of friends, you were probably got go through other instruction. And a lot of it's true. A lot of it may may not help you, but you're here seeing me for another reason. Obviously, something's either either you, know, you really need help or it's nothing to lose. So I, I told I try to build that trust before my first lesson because if they don't trust me to get in, it feels awkward to them. And I told them it's gonna feel awkward and new to you got you know you gotta, you gotta trust me. And and I'll, I told them you're gonna say it to me just by default. Oh my god, this feels so weird. Like exactly so exactly what I'm here. Um so so uh those two lessons are bad because maybe I wasn't I think it was material, I think it was just because I didn't read them right. I didn't tell them, hey, no, I didn't I didn't create that trust beforehand. And um so saying that, that's that's those two are my worst lessons. I just I thought I thought the outcome was was there, but just they were they weren't happy with it. So, what's going on with your family? Uh, kids? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, uh, get older. I was you know, Ben saw me year year ago, so Vivian's nine, Everett's seven. Um, Everett's a lefty, we think. Uh, Vivian, I think Vivian's starting to get the game going, and she's she's starting to uh, uh no play the game a little better and she's starting to come out with me in, in these rounds of golf and she you know, play T, not, not a problem. Everett, he'll swing a few times and next thing you know, he's, I don't know, looking in the dirt and for worms or something. But uh, yeah, they're good. Uh, my wife, Karen, she's, she's doing great. She's working from home, you know, supporting my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, we're having, we're having a good time here in Colorado. It's uh, we met some great good friends, and uh, you know, my 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 parents live next door to me, so my Karen and I have a lot of date nights or trips out of town, and uh, a lot of support. But it's awesome seeing it's it's good to take care of my parents, and you know, they take care of me on some stuff. I take care of them, so it works out well. So Colorado being basically the best outdoor state, you you doing some some outdoor activities, skiing and stuff like that, or what? Uh, I, when I moved here, like, uh, yeah, I just, when you moved here, I was like the gung ho. I want to do everything, hiking, skiing, you know, rafting. Um, yeah, I don't do that much anymore. <laughs> I'm getting too old and, uh, I, I tore my, I tore my meniscus last, last year and I didn't, I didn't get a surgery yet. So I'm afraid I'll act up again. So I'm skiing, I'm skiing socially with my, with my kids. You know, I want to, I want them to. You know, learn how to ski so when they get older, they can at least have an option to ski whenever they want. Um, so, yeah, I'm, believe it or not, I'm, 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 I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt saying I came in a Colorado, but I'm playing golf more than ever and then putting else, everything else on the side. But uh, it is what it is. That's, that's my love. It's so, more golf, more golf. 
So Mike Hutchins is one of our loyal listeners. He listens to every single podcast. Is the uh, plan for the future for you to live the Mike Hutchins plan? Have your wife keep working while you retire and play more golf? I think it's already. I think it's going on right now. Things <laughs> are happening. <laughs> not not officially. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny, Mike. Uh, you said, Mike, uh, I remember Eric Lee was talking about it. We were talking about it a little bit. He said, uh, hey, remember when Brent Hutchins broke his arm uh, on the golf course? Like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's like, I think he broke it. He was just, just out there playing, messing around. And someone did a quick turn and came out and broke his arm. So pretty sure Mike remembers that. <laughs> you do spend a little bit of time on your lawn as well. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, God, you're one of those. I did win Yard of the Month. Oh, man. So I haven't I cut did. my own grass in 12 years, man. So last time last time Kim and I were out to visit, he picks us up at the airport. We drive back to his house, and he slowly pulls in the driveway so that I can see this sign that says <laughs> Yard of the Month. <laughs> I get in the house, I look at Karen, and I go, how in the heck did he win Yard of the Month? Yeah. And she rolls her eyes, and she looks at me, and she goes, his mom voted online two times a day for 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's good to have mom. It's good to have mom. Yeah, yeah it, it was good. It was good. I, I deserved it, though. I, yeah, I learned from you, by the way. I learned. I asked you, I asked you, you know, Bell, about, about some, you know, you, obviously, I didn't take care of my yard at all when I was in, in Plainfield, but uh, I said, I got a, I got like a, I don't know, 20 yard by 10 yard. I can take care of it. I do that, but I can do that myself. So yes, <laughs> yeah. at all, it's you. It's, it's not, he's got rollers on the back of his mowers and all kinds yeah. of, I'll, I'll let my long guy know all this stuff. Yeah. I'll let... <laughs> yeah that's been part of my budget for the last 12 years for sure. So <laughs> what, what else we got guys, anything else? What was it like seeing the renovation completed and opening back up? Like what was, what was that all like? Uh, as far as kind of the going through the renovation and like basically you have a new brand new campus, new beginnings. Oh, I, was, I mean, I was more happy for Jim than anything else. Uh, no, it's like I'm pretty sure. I mean, like I said, he's a he's a proud guy, and and uh, gosh, I can't remember that first day now. Um, I I, I, rem- I remember uh, um, like, I just remember, okay, this is a beautiful facility. And then, obviously, we had our own clubhouse. I'm like, oh, like, we're almost there. You know, I got one beautiful product. Like, okay, this guy is still an eyesore. <laughs> I just remember, like, okay, that's that's uh, um, that's when I was there. I didn't think that I was going to be I thought I was gonna be there to see the clubhouse get fully built. But uh, I don't know. I, I think it's. I think it, it definitely went up a notch or, or two or three. And I, I remember, and I'm seeing from here, I see, I see you guys on the Golf Digest top you know, places to play in, in Illinois stuff. And, and uh, I think, I think it's so underrated. I mean, I don't know much about now, but I think it's still underrated. I think when you go play that course, like each hole is harder than you think. Greens are tougher. I think no, I'm pretty sure that we only help. And that course is always in good shape. Um, yeah. I think it's always been the, you know, the underdog, the, 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 the course that, uh, that no one knows much about unless you play it, experience it. I think I, I, I've been touched, and I think you guys are doing a great job out there. I think uh, I do miss the place. And like I said, I still have dreams about working there, talking to staff, talking to members, talking to Jim. Um, you know, so it's, I think it'll always be in my blood, you know, the culture of what we all built. And I don't think I can get any better than that. Unfortunately, I hear I just shake my head all the time. Oh, boy. <laughs> you, know but, what, uh, you know what I didn't ask? I, I should have asked this. Um, 
You tell me about the round that you tied my course record suspiciously for about two months. No, other way around. Other way around. You, you did no other way around, dude. Was it? You tied it after that. It. I, I remember because you were late for work. I was. I was. You're right. Yeah, I think maybe Taco, I, I, I remember Taco, this. Oh no, it was Kurt. Kurt, remember? Remember Kurt? Oh, Unique. Yeah, Unique. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, was on the I, I was on the lesson tee. Yeah. And I remember someone came up to me and said, "Hey, I heard I heard like Andy's you know my quick course of break record. He's on 17 or 18." And I'm looking at the clock. The hero starts to shift like in five minutes. <laughs> like, I was on man, a heater. Like, I had to, I was on a heater. I had to keep. Well, it of course, but it was, but I had a record too with uh, Jason Shuck, I think. Yeah. And Andy just did it late. I'm not sure when he did it. But I remember you did it after because I almost went out there to, to disrupt the <laughs> round. <laughs> to say Andy dude's like, okay, if you don't if you don't come in now, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> and I knew you were gonna finish the round. I just thought, thought maybe just the I, I let it I let it play out. I didn't go out there. I remember I remember this. Pretty good. I remember, like, oh, I should go out there and disrupt and give him, give him a little, little hex. And, but now, no, but it was after me, not before me. Okay, so if you want to know, I still have that flash over my my house. I can give you the date exactly when yeah, I did I'm it. A, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look at the, uh, have to look at the dates. You know what's funny is I did it with a Hogan Apex golf ball. <laughs> Holy cow! That was a long time ago. <laughs> well. V, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. We probably should do this more often. I'll tell you what, you can be a regular guest uh, with us anytime. If uh, We should talk about, about PJ Hope, the McGuethy Cup in the future. I'd love to have you in. Um, what? Why haven't you gotten the invite again for a uh, member guest? Ooh, I don't know. Well, Takahashi's gone. I mean, I actually talked to him the other day. He's freezing his butt off in, in Wisconsin, I think. Uh uh, but uh, no, no, no one's invited me. It's fine. I mean, well, I maybe this will help with that. Oh yeah, there is. If you need, my, if you yeah, if you need my number, call call Ben. He'll give you my number for a for a guest. Everyone needs a guest. Everyone listening to this. So <laughs> perfect. All right, B. Well, hey, you you made such an impact here, and and just wanted to get you on. And and you know, after seeing the other night that you were turning twenty five, and Miss would turn twenty five, it just made too much sense. So. Um, man, it was great catching up. Awesome to awesome to talk to you. We need to do it more often. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, and hopefully it's the guys who knew me back then who hear this to hear this and tell them you know I miss you guys for the some of the staff and members and the people who still work at the, the, the facility. So once I'll, I'll get back, I'll get back soon. Hopefully next year for the McCarthy Cup or a member guest and spend some time spend some time with you guys. All right, thank you. We'll see you soon. You guys covered a lot of territory with that, Andy. Yeah, some inside baseball, some fun stuff. Some of the old members get a chuckle out of. Um, I'm glad we got the uh, the the towel incident story. That that's definitely on the uh, that had to be <laughs> had to be told to everybody. I, I've the first time I heard it, I had a hard time breathing. I was laughing so hard. Um, but yeah, just it's so good to to see him. It's it's one of those things we're talking about traditions at the start, right? Like we need to do a better job of staying, staying in touch with our friends. And V was such an important friend and part of, uh, part of Mistwood for, for so many years. So, um, it was great to at least catch up uh, with him and, and just care about what he's doing now. It sounds like he's living his best life. The guys playing golf like four or five days a week, teaching when he wants. He's got sounds, the nice weather there. Sounds pretty good to me, right? Kind of mountain air. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, he's, yeah. 
he's in a good spot in Colorado. He's in a good headspace, doing what he wants to do, doing what he loves, and it's nice. Daily grind's kind of gone in his life, and now he can just enjoy things. And his kids are young enough, and man, he's he's kind of got it figured out. Well, I know something head pro Frank Hoenado would appreciate would be the lawn conversation that you guys had. I know I love that best lawn around type stuff. <laughs> oh my god, man is working. I forgot about that. You guys nerding out about the lawns. Love a good conversation about the yeah. lawn. I'll, I'll let my lawn guy know. I haven't touched mine in 12, <laughs> 12 years. I'm going on 13 now, so. All right, well, we hope everyone has a great Christmas, a happy new year. We'll come back in the new year with more excellent episodes, and maybe we'll call some more old friends. That sounds awesome. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Take care. Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.